This is the Reset MD podcast. We welcome you to join in on our conversations with fellow physicians. Many of us in medicine reach a point in our careers where we want to make a change, hit a reset button. Wouldn't it be nice to have some guidance from colleagues who'd been there too and have pearls of wisdom to share? These well-being conversations will cover a range of topics, thriving in medicine, physician health, burnout prevention, work-life integration, practice optimization, advocacy, and support. And we'll just have some fun doing it. Listen in and start your reset. Hi, welcome to the Reset MD podcast. I'm Dr. Marion McCrary, and today I have the pleasure of talking with Dr. Lou Snitkoff from New York. And I met Dr. Snitkoff in our roles as ACP Wellbeing Champions. But there's a longer story of his career and the things that he's been interested in in medicine. And I want to welcome you to the podcast, Dr. Snitkoff, and I'd love for you to tell our listeners a little bit more about you. Well, thanks, Mary, and good morning. Uh, it's good to be with you. Um, where to begin? So, you know, I'm uh, old enough to have had two resets, <laughs> and we can talk about those. Um, I, uh, uh, I grew up in Brooklyn, in, in New York City, and um, went to college in upstate New York went back to Brooklyn for medical school, did my residency here in the Albany area, and then uh, went into practice uh, here uh, in Schenectady, actually in the Capital District of New York, and um, <clears throat> started out in a small general internal medicine practice uh, with a couple of people who uh, trained uh, together with me in residency. And then um, over time, uh, our group, uh, you know, grew, and we merged with another group of internists, and then we were part of a larger group of physicians that got together to form a predominantly primary care, but multi-specialty physician-owned medical group uh, in the capital region here in New York that initially had about uh, 37 uh, 40 physicians and uh, eventually grew to about uh, 70, 75 uh, with a number of uh, advanced practice clinicians uh, as well. And so, uh, you know, that was an interesting trajectory uh, in the sense that uh, making the transition from uh, being in a, in a small practice, although I was never truly solo, to being part of a larger group, uh, you realize that uh, you know as you grow, you give up a little bit of control. But if you get something of value in return, uh, it's not a bad trade-off. So uh, you know that was kind of the beginning, and it set the stage for some of the transitions that occurred uh, for me later on. Yeah, you've you've got the pros and you've got the cons in any transition that you make or any reset that you make if we're going with the theme of the podcast and having that ability to find value in, in what you're doing um, in different ways. It sounds like that's been something that you have learned along the way. Right. 
So um, one of the things that has made our area unique, and, and it's true even now, you know, as I follow things here as, as kind of an outsider now that I'm retired, is that the health insurance market here is uh, really dominated by regional not-for-profits. Uh, it has been very little penetration of the large national, nationally-based uh, for-profit insurance companies. And over the years, that's been a good thing because it's allowed us to develop personal relationships with the leadership of those insurance companies and, and I think be, you know, be better advocates for our uh, patients. And uh, one of those companies um, was actually formed by the Medical Society in Schenectady. Uh, you know, was behind the formation of this um, of this insurance company, and I had an opportunity early on to do a little bit of policy development for them uh, while I was practicing uh, general internal medicine in pretty much full time. And it really kind of sparked an interest in me in, in health policy and also in healthcare administration. So after our larger group uh, formed and got off the ground and we were um, in, uh, in existence for a year or two, we acknowledged that there was a, a need for some central medical uh, leadership. And because of my experience with the health plan and my interest in health policy and administration, I tossed my hat in the ring for the uh, position of medical director. And they was, you know, they conducted a search and we had interviews and it was, uh, you know, sort of back to the future, you know, for me uh, interviewing and, and so forth. And so uh, for two years, I was actually administrative halftime and, and clinical halftime. And that was very difficult. Uh, because no matter where I was, I felt like I was supposed to be somewhere else. And um, particularly, uh, you know, on the clinical side, uh, my, my partners in my clinical practice did a fantastic job covering my patients when I was doing administrative work, but there wasn't really anybody else in the group who could uh, pinch hit on the administrative side when issues arose and fires had to be put out and so forth. So I went to our board of managers and I said, uh, I really enjoy what I'm doing, but I can't keep doing you know, both things. And if you think the group needs a full-time medical director, I'm in. And if not, I'll go back to seeing patients and <laughs> you're on your own. So they said, yeah, well, why don't you do the medical director thing? So um, at that point, I phased out my clinical practice over about six months. And it was difficult letting go of some of those relationships with patients because some of them had followed me from my residency clinic, you know, into practice. And I had very longstanding uh, relationships with them 20 years or more. And, uh, but, you know, it, it seemed like the right thing for me to do at the time. And, you know, so that was really my first reset was leaving clinical medicine and moving into administration full time. And, I, I quickly realized, you know, as I was doing that, that that's really where my my head was professionally. Um, I enjoyed interacting with patients. I enjoyed the impact, you know, that I could have and in, in people's lives by uh, helping them uh, make good 
choices, you know, lifestyle choices and, and, and uh, problem solving with respect to their uh, medical issues. And at the same time, I really, uh, I really embrace the challenges of, of healthcare administration in, in such a rapidly changing environment uh, where I had really an opportunity to look at a much bigger picture, uh, think about populations of patients as opposed to individual patients and, and help my colleagues figure out how to structure uh, our practice and our clinical workflows to, uh, to best serve our patients, and also to, um, to help uh, achieve better uh, well-being for ourselves as physicians by creating a more positive work environment and uh, trying to bring to clinicians more of the resources that uh, that they needed to to take care of patients. So, uh, and I had pretty much a, a free reign, uh, you know, to to do what I what I thought we needed to do, and and I was really fortunate to be able to find some really very talented and qualified people to uh, assemble a, a robust infrastructure that supported uh, healthcare quality and uh, multidisciplinary pro approach to healthcare. Uh, by the time uh, we were done, we had uh, four full-time pharmacists, you know, in our group, and we had uh, uh, we had a robust diabetes education program and medical nutrition program, and so we were able, you know, because of the size of our group, we had the financial resources to be able to hire these people and to really integrate them uh, into our practice, and. And that was just very rewarding, you know, to see that unfold and, and see it develop. That's so interesting to me because one of the roles that I had um, in my former practice was trying to kind of transform the practice to do some of the things that you're talking about, you know, as, as patient-centered medical homes came in and we all dreamed about having all this support staff and again, as you said, being able to support the physicians and the patients and the other clinical team members, just to have that broader uh, group of individuals who are there to support everyone. And so you were able to do that. I know a lot of people have dreamed about that and have tried to do it, but it sounds like, you know, really diving into that administrative role, you were able to put all your efforts into that and make it happen. And, and that's, it's gotta be so fulfilling. You were able to do what you started out to do. Yeah, it was very gratifying. And, uh, you know, we did uh, participate in some of the early PCMH pilots in the region, uh, as well as uh, CPC uh, through CMS. And um, in, the, in the process of, of doing that, we, um, you know, we learned a lot about healthcare. And we also learned a lot about ourselves in terms of how to uh, work effectively as part of a multidisciplinary team how to delegate effectively things that could be delegated, uh, how to uh, you know, recognize the unique talents of everybody who is part of the healthcare team uh, based on their own training and experience and to uh, encourage them to work to the top of their license and to do uh, what they were uh, able to do and permitted to do through uh, scope of practice. And, um, you know, to to help unload uh, some of the administrative burden, though I, you know, I 
I think the disappointment was we never got to a point where um, physicians really felt liberated in that sense. You know, there was always uh, there was always the um, the administrative. There was it was just a different administrative burden. You know, once you be, became involved in these programs, you had certain reporting requirements and record keeping requirements and things that you didn't necessarily have before. Um, uh, I would say, all in all, it was it was positive, but it wasn't it wasn't Nirvana, you know. It was still it was still at times, you know, it was still kind of a, a slog to get through the day. Yeah, there there were trade offs, as you right. <laughs> would refer to. Yeah, and I, you know, as you were talking about, you know, learning how to delegate and to as I would say, kind of lead with your strengths. It, it goes back to kind of that pivot that you made where you said, you know, I've got both of these roles. It's hard for, it's hard to kind of do both of them the way that I want to. And a lot of physicians will kind of just keep, you know, charging through and trying to do it and get overwhelmed and burn out. And, and I think, you know, just emphasizing that decision that you made that, you know, I can do one or the other really well. And, you know, how can I set myself up to do that? You ask your administrators, you offered and, you know, and it worked out well for you. And so just, you know, being able to have those conversations and have that chance to, to kind of go in the way that you want, I think is, is a nice um, example for some other physicians who may feel like they, they have to keep doing all the things or, or else. Yeah, well, it was fortunate that I was in an environment where I had the opportunity to, to do that. Uh, you know, not everybody uh, necessarily has the freedom that I had to make that choice. Uh, and at the same time, it, you know, I realized I was making a commitment and it was just kind of a significant um, step and a little bit of a leap into the unknown. Uh, realizing that uh, the farther away you get from clinical medicine, the harder it is to go back. Uh, and it's, it's not that you're uninvolved with the, uh, the, the concepts of providing care in an administrative role. It's just, it's very different. And um, so in retrospect, I have no regrets. I, I feel it was a, a good decision for me at the time, even though it was relatively early in my career, you know, 20 years in or so. And um, I, uh, I, you know, I, I, I think I made the, what was the right decision for me at the time and then proved to be a, a good decision for me going forward. It, uh, uh, you know, it, it presented opportunities for me to, um, to interact with peers in the, uh, in the regional medical community in the ways that I wouldn't have been able to do as kind of an individual uh, practitioner. Uh, anyway. Yeah, opened up other avenues for sure. Yes. And you, you mentioned that is kind of your first big pivot. Um, right. What is your second? So my second one was retirement, which uh, uh, oddly enough occurred at the very beginning of the pandemic. It was, my last day of work was April 2nd of 2020. And I, you know, it, it had been in the works for six months or so. Um, I was uh, I was in a different 
uh, situation at that time uh, through a variety of, <laughs> of, of factors that we don't need to go into. Um, uh, an opportunity uh, presented itself for me to, um, to take a position as vice president for a medical group at a community hospital uh, in Schenectady, which um, ironically, in a way, was a place where I spent a lot of time as a resident. Uh, it was part of the uh, Albany Med uh, training program at the time, and uh, I did a lot of rotations there as a resident. I really, I really liked working there. And you know, um, back in the day, you know, which is the late '70s, uh, it was an amazing community hospital. It had uh, we did pediatric neurosurgery there. We had um, a critical care fellowship. Uh, in a community hospital, you know, it was just a remarkable, uh, remarkable place. And um, so when I went back, it was, it was very cool to have an opportunity to go back to a place where I had spent so much time when I was in training. And, uh, you know, a, a good number of people who I knew when I was there who were young attendings and, you know, even nurses and, you know, other personnel were still there. So it was kind of, a, you know, a bit of a reunion and a homecoming. And uh, at the same time, though, it was, um, it was a very different place in, in a very different era. And uh, it became increasingly clear, um, you know, to me and to my colleagues in administration there that um, you we couldn't do the things in in 2020 or 2019 that we could do in 1980. You know, in a community hospital, uh, just the 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 financial resources and the physical resources that would be required to provide those kinds of services were just beyond the reach uh, of a community hospital and and beyond the reach of a you know it's connected to this relatively small community and it may be um uh, under a hundred thousand uh you know population and so um it did give me an opportunity though to work with um employed physicians which was a new experience you know for me having been in a physician managed practice for for so many uh, my whole career really up until then and uh, to help uh, help get them through some of the challenges that uh, that they were facing in terms of um, uh, turnover and difficulty recruiting and uh, some challenges on the hospitalist service where we were able to put into place a, a coaching program for um, hospitalists that was um, uh, the, uh, two, the two coaches were uh, retired physicians from our community uh, who were very well respected, who had very different backgrounds, actually. One was a cardiologist and the other uh, had a background, uh, uh, more of a background in public health. Um, and, uh, and they did a great job with, uh, you know, with the hospitalists in terms of uh, helping them with their, um, oh, you know, uh, just interpersonal interactions with patients and, and with each other and so forth. So that, you know, provided some opportunities, you know, for me to, to do some other things. Uh, and then, uh, so, uh, but, you know, I, I, after a little over a year, I think, you know, some of those opportunities had run their course. And uh, the institution was, you know, going in directions it needed to go, which weren't necessarily uh, congruent with, you know, where I wanted to go. So um, 
I gave them about six months notice and I said, you know, it's time. And so um, when, you know, when the time came and COVID was coming, I, I did feel some pangs of, of guilt, you know, kind of leaving the scene uh, at that particular uh, moment. But, uh, you know, and at the same time, it had been in the works. And uh, in all honesty, nobody really asked me to stay. So, you know, it was just, uh, you know, so it was what it was. Uh, and then, uh, you know, it's interesting how door, you know, one door closes and another door opens. And, and, and this particular door that opened to me uh, was really largely a result of the work that I've done with ACP. And uh, at, at the time, you know, shortly after I retired, the uh, medical, uh, the chief medical officer, the Office of Quality and Patient Safety at the New York State Department of Health, uh, was uh, an ACP colleague uh, who had actually done an advocacy internship with our chapter when I was chair of the uh, Health and Public Policy Committee. So I got to know him very well. And he's just a, a smart, you know, general internist who, uh, with an MPH who was uh, working for the health department. And he said, you know, now that now that COVID is really here, we have some extraordinary needs in our clinician community across the state of New York for physician well-being. And they were, uh, the department was sponsoring uh, webinars every two weeks for clinicians uh, across the state. And they started on uh, WebEx and uh, they came to be so well attended that uh, they couldn't do them on WebEx anymore. They started doing them on YouTube. And uh, in the height of the pandemic, the first surge, they had, you know, several thousand people uh, would actually tune in and then, uh, you know, a lot more would uh, watch it on demand. And he said, would you be willing to record some well-being segments uh, for these WebExes and we'll, you know, we'll make it part of the program every, every two weeks or so. So I, I did a bunch of those uh, over a period of time. And that, that really helped, it helped me in the sense that uh, in two ways, really. One is it made me feel useful having you know just retired and 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 walked out on a pandemic, and it, it gave me a purpose, uh, you know, where I felt I was contributing something meaningful to to physician well-being and to to the lives of of clinicians and and by extension patients uh, in New York State, and uh, it um, also enabled me to uh, apply. Uh, some of what I had learned as a well-being champion and, you know, kind of validated the time and effort I put into that. And, and it was, uh, you know, and, and as, as you know, uh, Marion, with the work you've done in, in North Carolina and, uh, and, and these podcasts and, and uh, just our uh, exposure and our intermingling with well-being champions across the country, the ways in which that uh, that knowledge can be applied to, uh, in a positive way, uh, to help our our colleagues and and patients, are innumerable. Uh, I mean, there's just so many different things you know that that can be done, and and for me, you know, it's just been extremely rewarding to be able to have this background, have this skill set, uh, to be able to to do to do these things um, you know some of our colleagues so like well yourself and and Carrie have uh, really taken on coaching roles 
which I don't think personally would be my strength. My, you know, I, I just feel more comfortable with, you know, what I've been doing. And it, 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 you know, I think it arises in part from the fact that I spent 22 years as internal medicine coordinator for a family practice residency program uh, in uh, one of our community hospitals. So I have that teaching background and, um, you know, so presenting in, in those kinds of formats to larger groups is something I'm very comfortable with, which, uh, you know, is kind of more in my wheelhouse than, than maybe one-on-one. -on -one. But uh, the reason I, I bring it up is that, um, you know, don't, people shouldn't have preconceived ideas of how, of how they can help. Uh, others, how they can help themselves, because there are so many different ways and, and so many opportunities, and uh, uh, they're, they're definitely uh, there, you know, if you, if you look for them. Yeah, I love that thought that it's, it's not just that one thing is wellness or that, you know, as we're talking about with different conversations that we're having, there's so many different ways to, to, to find that, you know, as we talk about the pearls of, of wisdom that we like to give students. In saying that with um, the experience that you have in different roles and, and again, recently with what you've been doing for the physicians of New York State, what, what would be some of those uh, words of wisdom that you would like to kind of leave the folks listening to your webinars with? or again, the students that you worked with that you'd like to share with the folks listening today? Well, um, you know, uh, in clinical medicine, it's so easy to get wrapped up in, in the day-to-day -day, uh, and, you know, sort of what happens minute by minute. Um, and, uh, you know, you realize that, uh, you know, you're trying to focus on the patient you're with. And at the same time, you know, there's a few more sitting out there in the waiting room or other exam rooms, you know, kind of waiting for you. And so, um, and, and it's, and it's, it's hard to do, but it's, it's just very important to try to build into the, into your day. Uh, just a little bit of time to, you know, to pause and think and, and reflect, collect yourself, um, and uh, and just not um, uh, run and you know, kind of rush through your day. You know, there there are pressures to uh, for productivity and you know, and, and pressures because people need care. Uh, and at the same time, um, you know, primary care physicians are in, in short supply. And, you know, I think increasingly institutions uh, are realizing, and I, and I hope this is increasingly true, that, um, that, 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 that physicians need to be respected and, and need to be given uh, time and space to be people and to do, uh, you know, to, in order to do their best. Um, it's been extremely important to me to have a passion uh, outside of medicine. And for me, that's been photography, which is 
something I started when I was in college and I've really kind of stuck with it for almost 50 years now. And um, in the beginning for me, when I was seeing patients, it was really all about solitude. Um, you know, I'm kind of an introvert. And uh, so I needed that solitude to recharge. And I would, I would go out alone and just relish that time to be by myself and uh, be out uh, doing landscape photography or nature photography. And so it was, it was, you know, that aspect of it that was great for me and also kind of the chance to exercise my my right brain since internal medicine is such a left brain thing and uh, to to have an to have an outlet like that for creative expression uh, was was very important and and, and I would encourage uh, physicians to find something uh, that they're passionate about whether it's uh, uh, whether it's visual arts, performing art, music, writing, uh, so many physicians now are are focusing on on writing and and narrative, and we're doing some great things in uh, multiple uh, ACP chapters now with uh, uh, with narrative, and um, uh, so I think that's uh, that's you know definitely one take home message. Another one that. Uh, is very important is the is mentorship and um, to to seek mentors uh, among your colleagues and also to seek opportunities to be a mentor and um, you know uh, the the, men, the the great thing about mentorship relationships is that they're two-way streets and that uh, you can impart something as a mentor, but you can also learn something from uh, your mentee <laughs> or mentees uh, because everybody has a different perspective. Everybody has a different worldview. Uh, oftentimes, uh, uh, you know, people who, who you mentor, particularly as you go through your career, uh, are younger and they're starting out and you have an opportunity to really help them uh, make their own way and kind of, uh, you know, give them their wings. And, uh, and at the same time, there are things that, uh, that they can, they can teach you. And I read somewhere and I have to paraphrase it because I don't remember the exact quote, but um, if you're over 45 and you don't have a millennial as a mentor, you're, <laughs> you're missing the boat somehow. So you really, you know, I think you really need to look for those relationships within your practices and within your organizations and your communities to connect. And, you know, those connections and, and the relationships that, um, that you make uh, in, in, uh, professionally uh, and, of course, in life. Are are so important to your well-being and to uh, making you a complete person. I love all of those and that that time to just pause and reflect, whether it's every day or whether it's the time that you get to sneak away on the weekends to go out before dawn to get the sunrise <laughs> picture, um, or riding at night before you go to bed, and then just finding other physicians to talk to. And, and maybe the mentors aren't physicians. They could be, you know, uh, have different roles in the, in the world that you're in as you're talking about your roles in administration and roles as a teacher. Um, and, just, and just make those connections and find what way wellness, um, 
you know, presents itself to you. Because as you, as we talked about earlier, it comes in many different ways and opportunities. Right. Yeah. I've really enjoyed talking with you today and hearing about your resets and, and all those pearls that you have given us today. As we finish up, um, what would you have our listeners take home from today's conversation? So um, let's see, uh, Eileen Barrett uh, says that people don't remember more than three things, right? <laughs> three take-homes. Yeah. So let me see if I can come up with three. Uh, one is to uh, focus on relationships, uh, in, you know, in the broadest sense, whether they're, you know, whether it's a mentoring relationship or, you know, peer relationships. Uh, the second is to find something uh, that you're passionate about that helps uh, you express yourself uh, creatively. And I think a third thing within uh, just, you know, within the more kind of narrow clinical environment is to find some aspect of, of clinical medicine or some aspect of internal medicine that really uh, kind of lights a fire uh, in you. Uh, it may be palliative care. It might be some something else. But um, try to find a focus that where you can really develop a little, you know, greater comfort level, a little more expertise, and incorporate that into your uh, into the things you do day to day in your practice. Yeah, find that spark as you said earlier, and and just. Um, what lights a fire for you. And I think that that's a perfect way to end our conversation today. <laughs> well, I've enjoyed this too, Marion. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you so much for being here. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening in on this conversation at ResetMD. If you'd like to reach out to us and continue the conversation for well-being, email us at resetmdpodcast at gmail.com.